I spent a lot of restless hours on this message. Couldn't sleep last night. And I thank God for the interceding prayers that were sent out for me. You see, as I have said the past couple of weeks, that I believe the family is under attack now more than ever in the world that we live in. I ask that you pray for me because I've been having some laryngitis. But not only pray that I get through this, but that God's Word would be presented correctly. You see, I struggled with this because we're going to be in a book that some of you will blush. It may embarrass some of you. It may put you in a situation where you are uncomfortable. But I want to share with you this morning And I want you to hear me. That my job as the pastor of this church is to take care of the bride of Christ. That is my job. To stand up for what the Word of God says. And even though at times you may not agree with me, you may not agree with things that are in the Word of God, it does not change the fact that His Word is true. And I pray that you go with me through this. Now, there are some children in here. And I will give you the PG version. But I want you to bear with me on this. Listen. I have named this sermon, What is Beauty? Marriage, intimacy is beautiful, people. We have perverted it. And if we don't teach our children, the world will. Teach your kids what God meant about proper relationships. Live it. Because I can promise you what God has intended for good Men has thwarted and done for evil. And we can see it now more than ever. If you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn with me to the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, you can read along with me on the screen. Again, pardon my voice. <coughs> but I want to you go through this first 16 verses, the 16 verses of this chapter. And again... You may snicker. You're going to hear some imagery that you do not understand. This is a beautiful song, a poetic book. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't understand why people avoid reading this book. If it's in the Word of God, it's God's Word. Amen. So if you've got a problem with it, have a problem with God. But listen, as we begin the Song of Solomon for... 1 through 16. Let's stand as we read the Word of God. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats. You have descended from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn ewes which have come up 
from their washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost her young. Your lips are like scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples are a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with rows of stones, on which are hung with a thousand shields. And all around the shields are mighty men. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of gazelles, which feed among the lilies until the cool of day, then the shadows flee away. I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. Come with me from, Mount, from Lebanon, my bride. May you come with me from Lebanon. Journey down the summit of, of Amana, from the summit of Sinir to Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and your fragrance of oils than all kinds of spices. Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride. A rock garden locked, a spring sealed up. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with choice fruits, henna and nard plants, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrhs and aloes, along with all the finest spices. You are a garden spring, a well of fresh water, and streams flowing from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, oh, and come. Wind of the south, make my garden breathe out fragrance. Let its spices be wafted abroad. May my beloved come into this garden and eat of its choice fruits. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if you'll look at this book, we're talking about the consummation night of the marriage between Solomon and the Shulamite. Marriage intimacy is a beautiful thing. God intended for sexual relations to be between a man and a woman. Period. As God created man and woman in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says, and all was good. But yet through their failing to temptation to eat of that which they could not partake, Evil entered into the world. What God intended as a union between a man and woman in perfection in a walk with him has been thwarted by sinfulness. We see it today. We see it in our lives. Where relationships between a man and woman is not something that's a covenant under God, but it's something like a contract with a used car that you can turn it in when you don't like that one anymore. And as we began this series all in the family, I wanted to go to the Song of Solomon to get to the part because I know that everybody likes wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you do not understand what love is in the eyes of God, none of that will make sense to you. So I wanted to show you what godly love looks like from the wealthiest king who ever walked the face of the earth between true love, between a man and a woman, on their marriage night, the courtship's over. <clears throat> the wedding invitations have been sent. It's over, the wedding. Now's the time of consummation. And look what he does in the first few verses. 
Now, I want you to think about this. The first thing that he does is he compliments her with his words before he touches her with his hands. Do you hear this? Men, today, when's the last time you told your wife she was beautiful? When have you told your wife she was your darling, how beautiful she is? Let me tell you something, as I've said last week. God put her in your life. She was created in His image. Every one of you are created in God's image. You are here for a purpose. God is what makes people beautiful, not what the world says. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. You've got to understand in that culture that doves was a sign of innocence. Her eyes are innocent. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Now, I don't know about you. But my wife would not probably understand that. But again, you have to understand this is beautiful. You know why it's beautiful? See, when we think of a goat, we think of that nasty, white, furry, muddy, hairy thing standing on top of somebody's barn. You know what I'm talking about. Palestinian goats were black. They were jet black. Their hair was wavy. And Carr said that even their movement on the mountains looked like a beautiful black wave going across the hillside. He is telling his lady, his wife, that her hair is beautiful. Not only is her eyes innocent, but her hair is beautiful. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn ewes which have come up from their washing all which bear twins, and none of them has lost her young. Her teeth are beautiful. Why would he talk about her teeth? Let me tell you something. Listen to me, man. Listen to me. What God has put in your life, everything about your spouse is beautiful. This world that we live in will define beauty on what it says, not what the Word of God says. Look, I know some of you. I get on face gossip like the rest of you do. Don't we love the little filters that take away all the blemishes? If I could take away my horizontal blemish, I would. <laughs> but I can't. We like to hide things. But what God has put in your life, regardless of whatever you are, wherever you come from, whoever your mother or father was, whatever color you are, whatever country you're for, you were created in God's image. And you're beautiful. And men, it's time we started telling our ladies how beautiful they are. Amen? Had to get that out, didn't I, Tiffany? Your lips are like a scarlet thread and your mouth is lovely. A scarlet thread. Her lips are not full, they're thin. Your temples are a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David. Not only her temples, which also means cheeks in the Hebrew, they're red. They're pretty. 
Her neck is like the Tower of David. Now, what does that mean? She conducts herself with character. Character. She holds herself well. Built on rows of stone which are hung a thousand shields. All the round shields of mighty men. Do you understand the imagery of this? She's tough. And she conducts herself well. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of gazelles, which feed among the lilies until the cool of day when the, bot, when the shadows flee away. Listen, he's complimenting her body. Before you snicker, you understand this. That as a married couple, please understand that your body is his and her body is yours. And it is a blessing and a beautiful thing in the sight of God. You hear me? He compliments her body. Now I want to stop right there because I want to talk about eros, erotic love. You see, what you must understand is what he is seeing in on this consummation night is not an act of intercourse that he is after. He wants the woman. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. Listen. You know, it is amazing. Listen. We use the most unfortunate idiom when we say a lustful man prowling the streets that he wants a woman. Strictly speaking, a woman is just what he does not want. He wants a pleasure for which a woman happens to be the necessary piece of apparatus. Did you hear that? I'll repeat it again for those in the back. He wants pleasure for a woman happens to be the necessary piece of apparatus. How much he cares about the woman as much as may be gauged by his attitude to her five minutes after fruition. One does not keep the carton after one has smoked the cigarettes, do they? Now, Eros makes a man really want not a woman, but one particular woman. You hear that? It's not an act of pleasure that he wants. That pleasure is a beautiful gift because of his love for this woman. Let me tell you something, people. Intimate relationships is a beautiful thing. And what God created for his glory and beauty, we have destroyed. But look a little bit further with us as he compliments her body. He says this. Listen. This is beautiful. I go, will go my way to the mountain of myrrh on the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. May, I come, may you come with me from Lebanon. Journey down the summit of Amana, from the summit of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopard. For you have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster for a single glance of your eyes with a single strand of your necklace. The anticipation to get away to consummate the gift that God has given. 
her heart for him and his heart for her still goes boom, boom, boom. Does your heart still beat for your spouse? Don't you think about this. I told you last week that I am a flawed man. I'm not perfect. Y'all know me inside the church. Others know me outside the church. I'm Chad. You see, when I first got married, listen to me. I didn't know how to be married. My whole purpose in marriage, I loved my wife, but I didn't know how to love her biblically. Listen. I thought when I got married that, you know, we're going to have meals all the time. I can do whatever I want. That the same Chad that likes scaring people at work will scare her. I used to pull pranks and goof around and do things. My view of marriage was I lived by the world saying marriage is what you make of it. That is an incorrect statement. Marriage is what you allow God to make of it. And when Christ saved me, He gave me a new attitude. He gave me a new nature. I've been with my wife for 30 years, or been married 30 years. I, I've been with her longer than that. And like I've told you, I can't say that I've always done things right. To the contrary. But what I learned is what God created in us as a couple. That if we hold to the principles and to the foundation of His Word, we may not get through everything greatly, but He will walk with us through everything mightily. You see, my heart still goes boom, boom, boom for my wife. I think she's still just as beautiful as she was when I met her. Because beauty is not defined by whether your hair is black or whether it's blue. Regardless of whatever Solomon, you don't understand what he's saying, what he sees is a person created in the image of God that is unblemished and beautiful. That's awesome, people. Let me put it to you this way. What Solomon is saying and what his Shulamite lover is saying, we're not just partners. We're soulmates. We're soulmates. Look what he says again. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils and all kinds of spices. Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Now the consummation begins. Not only does the fruit of the vine look good, it's sweet to taste. And there's nothing wrong with that, people.
Listen. I'm trying to be careful how I say this. But I want to try to drive this point home, please. There's more to marriage than thrill, thrills. If there is no love, then everything else doesn't matter. Nor will it suffice. Love has got to be centered around Christ. Period. Look what he says. Number 12, verse 12. And now I'm going to talk to you young people, old people, whoever you may be. He said, a garden locked is my sister, my bride. A rock garden locked, a spring sealed up. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with your choice fruits, hen and nard plants, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, along with the first finest spices. You are a garden spring, a well of fresh water and streams of flowing from Lebanon. What does that mean? She's chaste. She's pure. Listen to me, young folks. There is nothing wrong with virginity. Now, I know maybe some of you are feeling awkward and you say, Chad, thank you. I'm going to have to go home and explain to my kids. Good. Because if you don't, I promise you the elementary school will. We better wake up and start smelling what's going on around us. This world will tell you that whatever makes you feel good, do it. Let me tell you something. There is nothing further from the truth. Because every time you break what God's done in your life or what God's given you, you've given a piece of yourself away. In that, you cannot get back. But I want you to understand this, please. You may say, well, Chad, I've made mistakes. I've done this. Let me tell you something. Listen to me real good. You can change where you are now through Christ. There's nobody in this place perfect. But I can tell you this. The Christ that forgive me can forgive you. The Christ that forgive me can make you pure like He made me pure. I praise God that we serve a pure Christ who forgives sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And when He does, He gives you a new nature that you live for Him. And you bring Him glory because you walk in Him. You see, the very point of me going through this series is this. We have depended long, too long for others to teach us how to be families, to teach us about money, to teach us about marriage, to teach us about sex. We have listened to the wrong people and not listened to the Word of God. And we're paying for it. But it's time to stand up, my brothers and sisters, and say what's right. 
Intimacy is beautiful in God's eyes when intimacy is in the right way. Do you agree? And let me tell you something, men, and take note of this, too, on a side note. You see all this Solomon is saying? I want you to look at verse 16. Awake, O north wind, and come, the wind of the south. Make my garden breathe out of fragrance. Let its spices be wafted abroad. May my beloved come into his garden and eat of his choice fruits. When he shows her that he loves her, she reciprocates. Do you hear that? She reciprocates. God did not create women to be our thumb resting place. He created them to be our helpmate. Men, you're to be the leaders in your home. But now it makes sense if you begin to go a little further what it means to love Christ or to love your wife as Christ loved the church. See, let me put all this together for you. The church is unblemished. Not because of us, but because of Christ. He loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Which means thus us that was blemished became unblemished because of the work of Christ. Christ loved us unconditionally. We're to love our spouses unconditionally. And as I've said before, listen to me. Women, if your husband loved you like this, would there be a problem with submission? Say it again louder for the people in the back row. Why? Because Christ's love is not an abusive set of standards, but is a love that is a godly love for God's glory and for your benefit. Period. Listen, brothers and sisters, listen. I am a firm believer that teaching the Word of God and how we should live as a couple, how we should live as children, how we should live as people in general begins in the home. Far too long, like I've said, we've relied on others and even the church to be the primary source of teaching. Yes, we're to learn and we're to grow in church, but it begins in your home the Bible tells us very clearly, take the law of the Lord and we write it on our lentils, we write it above our doors and we teach it to our children that people will see that in our house we live as God has called us to live. It begins in our home. And brothers, and sisters, I want you to listen. I got two grown kids. They're gone. I got grandkids. They're out of the house. I've got two 11-year-olds. And people think since they go to a Christian school that they don't hear things. 
Let me tell you about something. They've been learning some things that I cannot believe that I'd want to. I, I didn't even hear. Because again, far too long, we've let everybody else raise the family instead of us raising our own family in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We've treated our marriages like contracts. We've cheated our children like babysitters. Instead of treating our family as a God-given gift. Understand this. You may say today, well, Chad, my family's not that great in order. You may say, I have problems with my relationship with my spouse. So I don't always get along. We have trouble. Like I said last week, then learn this. If you want to grow in your marriage, then you grow in Christ. You want to grow in relationship with one another, then you base your relationship on the Word of God. Kids, listen to me. I know what I said this morning may make some of y'all feel uncomfortable. But this gift of life that God has given you is for His purpose and for His glory. Listen to what the Word of God says. This world will tell you that you have to be this, that, or the other thing. That you have to wear the Gucci clothes. That you have to have all the money. This world will tell you you can be anything you want to be. But listen to me very carefully. You can be everything that God wants you to be. Period. It's not your fancy clothes nor how much money you have that make you who you are. Christ that makes you who and what you are. Cling to him. Spouses, listen to me. Learn to love and grow in your love as God's word says. Look at your marriage as a covenant between you and your spouse and God, not a contract. And I promise you that if your relationship is centered around Christ, regardless of how old, how big, how small you may get, you will see beauty regardless. Do you agree? So, Jab, well, I don't. We'll read the Word of God. Closing, I want to tell you what I mean. My wife and I went out to eat 
It's been several weeks ago. And as we were leaving the restaurant, we saw this couple in their, I'd say late 90s, early 90s, late 90s, holding hands and just giggling and laughing as they're walking out the door. And I thought to myself, everybody needs to see that. Because I guarantee you, each one of them think they're just as beautiful as 70 years ago. Because that's what true love is. You know, it is my desire for you as the church, you as the community, to grow in Christ. Now, like I said earlier, you may not agree with some of these things. Some of these things may embarrass you. But as a pastor, like I said, my job is to protect the bride of Christ. And I hold to a godly marriage. And I hold to a marriage between a man and a woman. Period. And that's a hill I'll die on. Because I hold to the word of God. And I'm a flawed man, will do flawed things. But I tell you what, I put my britches on just like you. I'm no greater or less than anybody in here, nor are you greater than less than me. But we're all created in God's image to serve with God's purpose for His glory. Period. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. God, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy and Your many blessings. God, I pray today that, Lord, You would just use each one of us for Your glory. I'm a flawed man. But, Lord, I serve an unflawed Christ. God, I pray that You use us for Your glory. God, I pray if there be anyone here today that does not have a relationship with your son Christ, that you will convict their heart before it's eternally too late. Lord, we don't know when we're going to leave this world, but we can know how we leave it. God, I pray that as families we would grow together. We would seek your face in all things. That God, what the world says is beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. That beauty, you should look at yourself first. Lord, beauty is in the eyes of God. And when we are surrounded and we see your beauty that you have created and we understand that everyone is created in your image, you are the one that defines beauty, not the world. God, we pray today that in a world we look down as those who have never had an intimate relationship or some kind of outcast. God, there's nothing wrong that you have created them for a relationship with that special someone that you have placed in their life. That you may be glorified. God, we hold to the sanctity of marriage. We hold to the truth found in Scripture. God, I pray if there be a relationship in here struggling this morning, that Lord, you would bring reconciliation. God, we're not always going to get along at all times. Lord, you know as well as I that, that me and my wife argue. We struggle. 
But Lord, we struggle when we get our eyes off You. Lord, I pray today that we would be focused upon You and Your Word. That God, we may not get through all things greatly, but You will walk with us through all things. And God, we pray, regardless of what may happen in our life, that You receive the glory. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us as we leave.